We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. Back for another week. This time on a Thursday, because the WWE kind of had us in handcuffs with all the crazy changes leading up to Survivor Series. We're going to actually get into all of those later. But by now, you know, Kel Dansby here with Andreas Hale. Oh man, Andreas in full effect already. I can hear it in his voice. He's just ready to just come out with angst about the UFC, about boxing, about pro wrestling. Dre, how are you feeling this morning? Mm, I'm good. Hey, it's was it, Thursday? <laughs> We didn't get to have an early show, um, but that's cool. We couldn't. We would have missed AJ Styles. 
we would have yeah. missed. We missed a whole bunch of stuff. UFC pullouts that were just announced yesterday, changing cards, not only Vegas card that we're going to in December, but the Detroit card as well. So we got a ton of stuff to run down, and the news is fast and furious this week. Like, they just knew, like, hold on, push off the show a little bit so you get it all in. So that's what we're here to do today. Uh, before we get into the combat sports, and we have a ton of that, real quick, I just wanted to ask your opinion on Big Baller Brand's own Leangelo Ball getting arrested in China. The kid is like 19, 20 years old, shoplifting glasses. How dumb can one guy be? This is the question. I mean, I guess he needs attention because his his older and younger brother are getting all the attention. So I felt he feels like he has to go shoplift in a foreign country. It's dumb, man. I mean, I, how stupid can you be knowing how much attention is on your family, at, especially at this particular moment? You, you know, your, your older brother's in the league and not doing all that great. He's solid, <laughs> but, you know, he's... He's getting sunned by guys like Ben Simmons when it comes to this rookie of the year thing, like I said. Uh, He's not a rookie. Ben Simmons is a rookie. We're not going to keep going over this. Uh, But it's just stupid, man. And, I mean, don't expect Trump to come help you. It's not like he's looking to save your ass from doing something stupid in China. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It was was just a dumbass move. Listen, I don't even got my passport. So I don't know how shit works in other countries. But I'm assuming that's not the place you should shop with, regardless of the price tag. Yeah, I mean, because nobody can come and extricate you from, from that situation. If they choose to lock you up, it's you're in their hand, arms now. So whatever they want to do to you is what they're going to do to you. So if they want to lock them up, unless Trump comes over and the government says, hey, you know, save this kid because he's LeVar Balson. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever the case may be, it's like he, there's, it's stupid. It was just dumb, man. It's just a really dumb thing to do. Shoplifting and some sunglasses. Y'all got money. Just got sell one pair of, of shoes. Plenty of money. Um, they're not even handing the shoes out. They're just sell- selling shoes without giving them out, making money hand over fist. Uh, that just got me to, before moving on, I, what I really want to know is, Dre, I know you got a good young shoplifting story. Everyone got one. Just because we're stupid. I, regardless if you had it, if you didn't have it, you have to have that one time where you're like, yo, you know what? I just feel like stealing some shit. I got two. I was king shoplifter. Um <laughs> Yes, yo, I'm in a good place now, but y'all y'all really don't understand. Like, times was hard back then. Some things we did out of necessity, some things we did because we were stupid. Um, so you want you want the clothes or the liquor one? Which one you want? We need the clothes one. I, I feel like liquor, everyone does a snatch and run in the liquor store. I need to hear the clothes one because if people don't know, every now and then Dre will bless you on Throwback Thursday. And he'll show himself with the young curls and the fly outfits. He had all the gear. So when he says, like, oh, times are rough, I'm looking at him like... Come on, man. I see you with all this. He was always top fashion, man. No, it was top thievery, man. Um, so I think, what was it? I think I was like 15, 16 years old. And like I, like people that know, I stay in this part of Las Vegas called Crack Alley. Um, but there was a Marshalls down the street. And school year was getting to start, getting ready to start. My pops wasn't buying me no clothes. Um, grandmas didn't really have it. So me and my boy, Brian, decided to steal from Marshalls. Because the, the Boulevard Mall was up the street. So we were like, hmm. Can't really do that. I mean, it's a hot spot, but you can't get that much. Where can you get the most stuff? And we was like, Marshalls. Because they had four entrances. Like, we scouted the place. Like, this was straight out of, like, the Italian job. Like, we were, we were, we had a getaway car. We're like, we did it all. So we, we, we rolled up in there. Um, and we were stupid, though, because we're, like, 15. I think we were 15. I couldn't drive yet. So we were 15. So we start, what we did was we started finding what we liked, and we stacked it. On, and we would stack it, and we put it. We hide it by the door. Right. 
So we spent like an hour and a half. It's like Mar- Mervin's, not even Marshall's, Mervin's. That's when Mervin's was popping. And uh, so we had Hilfiger, Polo, Jabo jeans, like, and we just were stacking it. And like the stack was like as tall as us. It was like five foot five. You know what I'm saying? Like a big <laughs> tall stack, like for these sophomores in high school. Little did we know security had been watching us like the entire time. And uh, so we both picked different exits. And then what happened was we saw security by the right door, so we went to the left door. Um, and I grabbed my stuff and I and I booked it because security was like, hey, and I, I just I left my my boy was just like he was moving too slow. He was like, nah, I'm gonna go back and get this Nautica jacket. I was like, nah, I'm out. So I grabbed it. There was another security guard outside the door who stuck his head. Like, you know them, them cartoons when you, like, they stick their foot out and then you trip? That's what he did to my boy. And <laughs> all his clothes went flying. Like, he, all his clothes went up in the air. Like, me, I still had mine, and our getaway car was outside. So security tried to chase us. Now, back in the day, um, there was, like, really no rules. Like, today, you can't really chase somebody that's outside the store. They was on our ass. So <laughs> getaway car starts pulling off because I think it was his older brother. And uh, so I so he rolls down the back window and I take my stack and I just throw it. And it was like the perfect throw. Everything stayed folded and went right through the window. What my boy had left, he threw it. It missed everything. Like he nothing made it into the car. I jumped in the window like Dukes of Hazard. He jumped in and we sped off. But like when I jumped in, uh, the driver didn't roll down the window all the way. So like my bottom lip caught like the, the glass. So I busted my lip. And uh, and he just jumped in and we sped off and like I had blood on a couple of my clothes, but I came up like I had I must have had that's how I look fresh that year. Like I had that was that was all my gear for the year. I had to go steal sneakers from just for kicks. That was like another story. But like we were thought we were thieves. We were awful, 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 awful. Listen, I did the same shit. It must be a Vegas thing, because when I came out here, I was chilling. Um, my cousins, KP and Brandon were chilling. And I remember it like it was nothing. I just come from New York. Uh, I didn't know anything really about dances, because in New York, like, they had school dances, but it wasn't, like, the real official tissue joint. Here, like, school dances were a big thing, and yes. it was, like, the end of eighth grade, there was a school dance, and they're like, yo, we got to get fresh, all this shit, and I remember, I was like, all right, cool, and I had money, like, my mom would give me money, because she worked all the time, so she would give me money, but they didn't necessarily have the money to buy it, so I was like, the hell with it, we, either I'm paying for everything, or we stealing it, and I ain't paying for everything, so... We went to the Boulevard Mall, and we weren't as smart as you. We went to the Boulevard Mall, and I remember going in there, and it must have been like a TJ Maxx or something over there. And we went into the TJ Maxx. I remember we all stole outfits, three outfits, and that was our goal. We needed one for every day of the weekend. The dance on Friday, Saturday, um, at the skating joint on Boulder Highway, which I forgot the name of it. And then Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. And then Sunday, there was like an outdoor barbecue. So it was a whole thing, and the Kappa League had something that Sunday and all this stuff. So we're like, yo, we need three outfits. So we went in there. We wore hoodies. It's Mind you, it's like April. We wore hoodies and jeans, and we threw on all three outfits underneath our clothes in the dressing room and walked out. So I think I'm fly. We go in there. I steal. I remember I steal uh, Al Horford, Florida jersey. Wow. (laughs) And a pair of Jabot shorts. Um, and yeah, so we walk it out with fly because I had these pair of uptowns that were white and orange, so all my joints were white and orange to match that. And we walk out, I steal my little pack of headbands. Don't ask me why, that shit was hot back then. So I had the headbands, the armbands to go with the headbands, the and one joints, stole all that. 
We make it out. We're like, yo, smooth getaway. Cool. There's a Best Buy in the Boulevard Mall. We pull up. And we're like, yo, you know what? Let's just go into the Best Buy. We still got all our clothes underneath. Like, let's hit that before we leave. We go in there, and my cousin Brandon tries stealing the new Fabulous album. I feel like it might have been Ghetto Fabulous or the one right after that. Street Dreams, some stupid shit. It had just come out. And he was like, yo, I'm going to steal the Fabulous album. And we're like, all right, cool, whatever. We start walking out, and he steps right past the little alarm thing, and it goes crazy. And then you just hear, hey, and me and my cousin KP book it. We're all the way down by Orr Middle School, if people are from Vegas or been here. We're booking it all the way down, damn near to the TGI Fridays. And it used to be a ride aid over there. So we duck into the ride. We're running full speed. We look back. We get halfway there. We're like, yo, what happened to Brandon? His dumbass just stays there and waits for the security guard. So we have to turn around. Go, we look in the doors, and he's there with two security guards. They're pulling him to the back office, and we're like, damn. And he got the other shoplifted clothes with the tags on it under his clothes. And we're like, yo, should we stay? And we're like, uh, nah, we out of here. And we just bounced on him and went to the dance that night. His mom had to come get him so they didn't take him to jail or juvie or whatever. She was hot. After the dance, we go back to his crib. He's... He's tight. He's on the bed, damn near in tears. We're saying how we had the best time. He got grounded for the whole weekend. We're stunting in our clothes at all the events. The shit was beautiful. To this day, he probably still hates us for that. So, moral of the story, if your friend gets caught and you don't, his fault, not yours. Enjoy your time. Gotta be a a smart shoplifter when you're young. Uh, Yeah, we don't steal shit no more, though. That's good. Uh, Leangelo Ball is learning that. Throw your friends under the bus, my man. Live your life. Uh, uh, let's get into combat sports then uh, Let's take the detour into where we're supposed to be UFC 217 happened And that kind of consumed our weekend It was one of the first UFC cards this year If not the first to live up to expectations And I was happy with it I ordered it for $60 I paid the dough Because um, I didn't feel like going anywhere I felt like just being in the house And I thought it was well worth my money Three titles, three title changes we can start from the top. Bisping versus GSP. Did anything surprise you in this fight? GSP striking surprised me a lot. Um, it was actually a couple things that surprised me. One, I, I thought if GSP was going to win, it was going to be by decision. But I said weeks ago, I don't be surprised if he submits <laughs> Michael Bisping. And what he, he submitted him. But it didn't exactly go the way that I thought. Because I knew that Freddie Roach had GSP's hands a lot better and that time spent away from the octagon was more about getting his striking together than anything else. But I didn't expect him to stand there and trade with Bisping, and, and it actually looked v- much sharper than Bisping early go- in the early going. The th- other thing that surprised me, though, and it didn't necessarily surprise me, is it concerns me how bad GSP started looking in the late second round. I thought he was going to get knocked out because he, he looked like he spent all his energy. He struggled to get takedowns. Like It wasn't the double-leg shotgun takedowns like he used to have at welterweight. Um, they were still effective. I just thought he was losing a lot of energy. And then somehow he summoned up this, this, the energy again to, to hit him with that counter left hand, drop Bisping, and finish him off with a rear naked choke. So, uh, I mean, Bisping was who he was before he got here. Like This was not a guy that we all thought was some kind of world beater or some pound-for-pound legend. He was... He was a decent fighter who lucked up into a title opportunity and made good on it. But facing GSP, he, I mean, yo, it's over for Bisping. Oh, yeah. Like he's the, this is it. Like, GSP, on the other hand, we could talk about his future. But, yeah, it didn't surprise. Like, I thought GSP was going to win. But the way 
his striking look was really surprising. That shit won't fly against Robert Whitaker, but against Michael Bisping it will. Romero is coming for that ass if if you're uh, Michael Bisping. So it's going to be a rough retirement because he talked a lot of trash about a lot of people. Yeah. And, and, and they're going to want to run that back. But with GSP's concern, I, I agree with you. The striking looked good. It looked sharp. I think he kind of had the McGregor effect more than anything and where he wasn't conditioned. His body wasn't in shape, which is crazy to think of GSP, right? That's what most of his career was built upon. Like, the guy was the epitome of conditioning. Like, five rounds was easy. And it shows that four years off is four years off. And the other thing is, is moving up in weight. You saw how the weight kind of was heavy for him. That's not his natural weight class. And you can tell. No different than when McGregor went up to 170. He gassed faster at 170 than he did at any other point. Yes, he did go five rounds, but... In the middle of the second, he was looking gassed in a lot of these fights. And it's because that extra weight, it makes you sluggish. It weighs on you. When you don't have to cut and you're, you spend years weight cutting and going into fights that way. And, you know, the added training it takes to lose the weight and the cardio and the running and all that stuff. When you no longer have to do that and you can just step into the octagon comfortably, your cardio is going to take a hit. And I think that's what we saw with GSP more so than his striking tailed off. His cardio tailed off. But it was smart to see... That when his cardio did tail off, one thing that McGregor doesn't have that GSP has is that excellent wrestling. So what he did was he took Bisping down. And unlike in the first round, he didn't try to advance position. He didn't try to go into full mount. He was happy sitting in Bisping's guard. And Bisping went full guard. And he was tearing up GSP with elbows. Right? Just making him bleed all this stuff. GSP took all of that because that gave him a second wind. No advancing guard, no side control, no nothing. I'm going to sit here, I'm going to lay on you, lay in your chest, and I'm going to collect myself. And he got that second win, so when they stood up, he was like, oh, I feel good again. Okay, let me go back to striking. And that's what landed him the knockdown that led to the submission win. So it was a smart thing. When I was watching it live, uh, I was watching it with Brett Lawson from a podcast from VSIM, VSIN, and uh, it, it was crazy. When I was like, listen, the best thing for GSP to do as soon as he landed takedown, I was like, don't advance. I was like, just sit in the guard. He was like, what? I was like, just sit in the guard. Because it is a rest period. It's like a wrestling wrestle. That's all he needed, and he got that energy. So it was cool to see. Um, I, I expect him to be more conditioned in whatever his next fight may be. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he went down to 170 and, and tried his hand at that, to be honest. Just because it's like 185 just doesn't look good on him. He, he looked... His striking was better, but he looked sluggish and slower. It's just Bisping was a lot slower than him. Yeah, I mean, like, look, he's in a tough spot if you're GSP. And um, I think as we're speaking, they're, they're about to have a conference call uh, with GSP about his future. But uh, and I guess we could talk about that next week. But you don't want to fight Robert Whitaker, even though Robert Whitaker was a welterweight who moved up to middleweight. Uh, Whitaker looks a lot more solid than GSP. Um, at middleweight. Furthermore, Whitaker has phenomenal takedown defense and excellent hands. Two things that are going to be kryptonite for GSP. It's like a much bigger, faster, and stronger version of Johnny Hendricks, who GSP struggled with four years ago. So you don't want to do that. But if you go to welterweight, you got Tyron Woodley waiting there for you, who was essentially the same guy, <laughs> who's, who's the, the takedown defense built like a house. It looks like he can make 185 in his sleep. Um, excellent takedown defense, a phenomenal wrestler, and dynamite in his right hand. So if you're GSP, why would you want either of those fights? You lobby for a Conor McGregor fight. Oh, easily. I mean, and, but then you have to drop down to 170 for a McGregor fight? 
Like, you, McGregor loses the opportunity to be a three-division champion. Which I think is the added carrot on the top of it. Like, you know, like, that's the icing on top of the damn near $25, $30 million cake McGregor's looking forward to. And with that, you know, I, I feel like McGregor needs that incentive. People will be like, oh, the money alone is the incentive. No. At this point, McGregor can probably see the same numbers fighting a Diaz. Like, why, why would you take the risk of losing to GSP? And the Floyd loss counts to me. It, it just is what it is. The Floyd loss is a loss. So how many losses straight can McGregor take for the love of money, right? Like, it, it, it can't happen. Sooner or later, a guy got to win again. And if he doesn't win, it looks really, really bad. So you can't risk the GSP just for shits and giggles. You have to risk it for a third title. And McGregor at 185, that's not even possible. Nah, he's too small for 185. I mean, I, at 170, it'd be an interesting fight, though. You know, I think those two could fight at 170. But it's for uh, nothing. Uh, like, it's literally for nothing. Well, I mean, again, I hate to use a boxing analogy, but when Mayweather and Pacquiao fought, what was it for? That's <laughs> true. It was the best. Yeah. So, you know, and with the UFC being more in the money-making business than the, you know, the rights or wrongs business or who deserves the title shot, it's the fight that you can make. Um, and people won't be mad at it. People will say, they'll be purists to say, you know, this isn't for anything. GSP has a title. Eh. <laughs> like, I look at it. I know, like, Dana White just said on TMZ Sports that, you know, uh, Tony Ferguson's getting a shot at Conor McGregor. We're trying to figure that out um, financially for McGregor. And GSP's fighting Whitaker. But Dana White says a lot of shit that doesn't come true. Yeah. And this will be one of those things. Um, Dana White but, still has bosses. That's one thing Dana White forgets now. He has yeah, bosses, boss. and he got to make the money work. Yeah, but it's it's ultimately, I mean, if you're a GSP, a guy who just had some difficult times with Michael Bisping, I don't think you really want that murderer's row of middleweights. Like, you don't want Robert Whitaker, Luke Rockhold, Jacare, and Romero. Like, you don't want to fight any of those guys no. if you're GSP. I think he should so, fight Woodley next. And I'm in the yeah, minority. I, I but I, I saw, with my two eyes... I saw the last person Woodley struggled against. And obviously that was Roy McDonald. And Roy's right there for GSP to learn from and to pick his brain. And it's the same game plan. Literally, they shut down the champion, Tyron Woodley. I believe it was unanimous decision. I got to look it up. So I think if you roll your dice on game plan and smarts, I think they take him on. Now, is Woodley better than them? Probably. He was coming back from the knee injury and all this stuff. Still, I roll my dice on that. I mean, I guess so. I don't know what Rory can teach you if you're GSP because Rory has the length, the height. He had all the things that made it a very difficult fight for Tyron Woodley, who is a much better striker and much more poised fighter now than he was back then. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's probably the route you want to go. I really don't think you want any part of Robert Whitaker. But, you know. Teach his own. Michael Bisping, yeah, your Romero's waiting for you to kill you. So that's the fight you gotta take. <laughs> yeah, that's all bad. All bad. Uh, that's not the way you want to go out. I mean, I'd rather go out and get choked than get knocked the hell out. But we, we shall see what Bisping chooses. Um, next fight, biggest surprise to me, uh, Dillashaw versus Garbrandt. And I guess it's not a surprise because Garbrandt, you know, he fights how he fights. Kill or be killed. It's just Killashaw came out. And, and we saw... To me, what was the real knockout blow was that head kick. Because Cody could take a punch all day. That kick rocked him. 
And the once again, the, the jaw may be solid, but that temple is not. And he never recovered from that kick. And it led to the eventual knockout because I thought he was a step slower after that. The reflexes slowed down and it allowed TJ to catch him clean. Something without the head kick that I don't think would have happened. I'll tell you what, the one thing I didn't take into consideration, it was a really tough fight for me to pick. And, you know, I was I kept saying on our last show, what is TJ going to do differently than Dominic Cruz? And I didn't take into consideration that TJ kicks a lot more. And because of that, it changed Cody's eye level. And that's what led to him getting his head head kick. And then the braggadocio really kind of did Cody in. Um, ultimately, you know, after the first round knockdown where he got close to finishing TJ, the shit talking just pumped TJ up. And, that, and that's really... <laughs> Yeah, it was the, kind of the worst game plan to have for TJ, who basically nuked the entire Team Alpha Male in one night. I mean, it's probably one of the best, um, the sweetest victories for a fighter you can ever have. You leave the gym, have the whole gym trash. You call you, you have Conor McGregor in your promo calling you a snake. You have the whole gym hating your guts, you know, and saying that you couldn't even beat Dominic Cruz, and then you beat the champion by knockout. Like, that's the sweetest victory. And TJ Dillashaw... He is a more complete fighter than most. Um, I didn't see that knockout coming the way that it did. Uh, but, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I should have thought about those head kicks. I should have thought the kicks and changing levels because Cody is a boxer. And if you fight, that footwork stuff doesn't work if you're not using your feet to make things happen. Yeah. Like Dominic Cruz just stood there and threw punches. He hardly threw any kicks. TJ from the gate knew what he needed to do. And, I mean, obviously that takes years of training with Cody. He knew what he needed to do and he beat him. His uh, corner was really smart, too, because you listen to his corner in between rounds. They said, stop setting up the kicks with your hands. And that's why yep. he got knocked out the first time. It was like you're dependent on your hands to let your feet go. They said, just throw the kicks. Just let it go. Just, just see what happens. Let it fly. And there was no setup, no nothing. From the ground to the head, boom. And that was it because it's the one thing Cody's not used to. And, yeah, and they we- were smart. Very good More importantly, uh, Dwayne Bang Ludwig has to be commended for how much he's helped T.J. Dillashaw in his career. Like, this is not the same T.J. Dillashaw that fought John Dawson on The Ultimate Fighter. T.J. Dillashaw has become an efficient and effective striker. Um, he may not be the, be the boxer that Cody Garbrandt is, but he is a more complete athlete in the Bantamweight division. And it's going to be tough to see who, who faces him next and who he's going to be. And we might as well just roll into it because... It seems like Dana White is interested in this Demetrius Johnson, TJ Dillashaw fight. I'm just not buying the shit. I, think I just don't think. I think it's happening because with TJ, what, where else? Or excuse me, with uh, DJ, where else does he go? Mighty Mouse has no other options. I hate that it would be for the 125-pound title because I think Demetrius Johnson deserves the opportunity to be a two-division champion. He only lost to Dominic Cruz, the champion. So he deserves another title shot at a champion. I don't think it's right that a champion comes down, cuts weight, and can take his belt from him for that opportunity. Um, I'd rather see a catch weight if it comes down to that. 130 and no one lose their belt rather than DJ lose his belt. But everyone wants to break the record. That's why TJ's going down, right? He wants to break the record. I, see, I don't know if that's, gonna, if that's what it's going to be. Like, There's too many things here that make me say it's not going to happen. Um, and obviously it could happen and Dana White's interested in it, hap- it happening, but there's, there's a lot of things here. Like for one, Demetrius Johnson is not interested in moving up to Bantamweight. He, he says it time and time again. He's too small. He's not interested unless there's a lot of money on the table. And Dana White had made it clear at that press conference and every other interview he's done. Let's see how much he makes before we start talking about money. DJ's not going to bring in a lot of money. 
And people was like, well, this is a money fight. No, it's not. This is not a money fight. No. Because th- nobody's, nobody's buying this fight to see them outside of the hardcore MMA community that already buys all the pay-per-views. So you're not really changing anything by putting them together. You might get a few, maybe 100,000 more. But this isn't a money fight like uh, Conor McGregor fighting Nate Diaz or fighting moving up in weight. It's, neither of these guys are big draws. I'm glad you yeah. said that, though, because this is the perfect co-main to a McGregor return. So if you look at that March 3rd card, right, we can kind of start eyeing that. March card in Vegas, that's an odd time for one. I'm putting my money on that's the McGregor return. So let's chalk that up. McGregor's going to headline that against whoever they want, whoever he wants to fight, whether it's Diaz or Ferguson or whoever. I think, Tony, I think Tony can talk the equivalent of a Nate Diaz, so Tony will help sell the fight because that back and forth is going to be great. By the time we blink, we're going to be like, damn, this is a money fight for Conor. Because Tony's going to sell it. So if it's Conor versus Tony in March, I think this is the perfect co-main for that. And then it becomes a money fight. Because if you get pay-per-view points on a Conor card, you're straight. Here's the problem. Are they going to want to pay TJ and DJ those points on a Conor McGregor card? Like, ultimately, the, the thing is, you want to make the most money without dishing out as much. And you know Conor McGregor is going to suck up all the money. All of the money. All of the money. <laughs> but, so I mean, you, you got to have, have a Conor contingency fund at this point. You can't even equate the money you have to pay Conor into the cards anymore. Because he, he's that big. You just have to say, we're going to pay Conor, or we're going to pay Conor. Like, he's on a salary. And everyone else is on, you know, like a, a clock-in. You, you can't. Even count McGregor. He's going to get his 30 mil, cool, whatever. That's off top. That's out of our pocket. Now, whatever else the card does and whatever else we pay everyone is the real numbers. That's how you got to start treating him. He's the anomaly. Just take it out. Take it out of your pocket, whatever. That's that's a whole different paycheck, man. That, yeah, that shit don't even count no more. The problem is you're not going to want to give that to a co-main event. That's not selling the card. Like, you get pay-per-view points as the main as a co-main, you can you can as well, but I guarantee you to fight on the Conor McGregor card, it's got to be restructured. Like they can't be, they can't pay, they won't feel comfortable, and especially the way Dana White operates. I don't think he'll ever feel comfortable paying DJ the money unless DJ can earn it. And what I mean by earning it is selling pay-per-views, not piggybacking off of Conor. So I can't see them paying him and TJ a great deal of money to fight in the co-main event of a Conor card that will sell with or without them. And Furthermore, if you're WME IMG, why even go that route? Because you build the next star. You have to hope to build some type of star power. You're not, because it's just like boxing. Connor has become boxing. The main event is the main event that people come to see. Like the mainstream, the crossover fans, they come to see the main event. They won't watch the undercard. They won't care about Connor McGregor and TJ Dillashaw. It's unfortunate, but it's true. As great as, as uh, DJ is, they don't care. So I, I can't, like, it, it'll be a loaded car. I think it makes a lot of sense. But I think business-wise, they'll say, well, we can sell extra pay-per-views by the, having them headline a different car. Or, I mean, damn, they still haven't put a DJ car in Seattle yet. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah why hasn't he fought in his hometown? It's like, there's so many ridiculous things going on here. Plus, with Dominic Cruz being injured, Jimmy Rivera is going to need to fight somebody, and I don't know who it'll be. Something, I, you know, it could be like Aljamain Sterling. They could pull him into the fight. It could be anybody. But if Jimmy Rivera wins, it's hard to say that TJ gets another title shot in a different weight class without defending the title that he just won. 
that's kind of weird to me. But it's the UFC. I mean, I it's the new UFC. It's the way things are going now. And like they can't have another interim title at the bantamweight division. It's it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they can't do it. And I don't think they will. It's one fight. But there's enough contenders to figure each other out down there and then see who gets the next fight. Uh, Cody has to have a bounce back fight. They got some time to figure out exactly who deserves a shot at TJ. Um, moving down t- to the next card, Doug Rose Namajunas versus Joanna and Jacek. Doug this Rose, I didn't see coming. Doug Rose came <laughs> up big, and I told you on the last podcast I wouldn't be surprised. And you can't take like you can't put everything into what you see fight week. But you got to take that shit into account. And her demeanor was so much different than everyone else. Everyone else that Joanna has faced before. And she just looked like she knew exactly what she was coming to do. And for some reason, I think Joanna was off. You know, I, Rose had a great game plan and executed. But it, Joanna just seemed a little off this time. Yeah, you know who she reminded me of? Ronda Rousey Ronda. versus Holly Holm. <laughs> Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. Yeah. Joanna reminded me of how Ronda Rousey's demeanor was against Holly Holm, who said nothing. And Ronda was pumping herself up towards fight week. And Ronda got in like Holly's face at the weigh-in. And Holly just kind of sat there. I was like, okay. I think I felt like not – and Joanna is much, a much better fighter than Ronda Rousey. Like, Joanna was clearly off. But I think she kind of psyched herself out of this fight. I think yeah. she – she, she bought into herself a little bit too much. And I guess that's kind of similar to what Ronda did against Holly. She bought into herself a little bit too much. And she got caught with one. It wasn't a dominant performance like Holly did with Ronda. Like, Joanna just kind of ran into one here. Um, she just didn't seem sharp. Rose kept her distance well. She moved in and out and then caught her. Uh, I, I don't think that happens 10 times out of 10 like Holly and Ronda. I think it happens, you know... Maybe three times out of ten. I think if Joanna fights her again, she could probably beat her. I'm pretty sure Joanna but gets the immediate title shot. Rematch. It's it, it's possible. Um, but I mean, you got Carolina Kowalkiewicz sitting right at, right there saying, "Look, I just beat Rose. I'm the last person to beat Rose. I should get their title shot." And can yeah, you really but, deny her? But then you lost. Yeah, I mean, you already lost to Joanna. So yeah, I can't yeah, deny you. I mean, it's just it's just saying like Carolina. She hurt Joanna in their fight. Like she didn't win, but she hurt her. And she's the last person to beat Rose. And Joanna's probably going to need a bounce back fight. I don't think you, I don't think they're going to run her right back into a title fight. Because uh, he got I stopped. They, I think they give her their immediate rematch. Just because of where she was. I, yeah. I think they give it to her. Um, you know what? I and she cleaned out that. the rest of the damn division already. What bounce yeah. back fight? She beat Again. everybody else in the top five. I would say that. But we didn't do that for Ronda and Holly either. Ronda so, didn't but, want to come back. If, they, when Ronda they came the last, back. When Ronda came back, she had an immediate title shot. She did. But name the last person who got an immediate rematch for a title. They got knocked out. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. can't name it. But I, exactly. I think she will be. I think she will be it. Just because she's cleaned out everyone else. It's not like she she came in, won the title, and then lost it in her next one. She's beat the rest of the top five. Like the there same. is no one better than her. You so get she, knocked out. It's hard to justify an immediate rematch when you get knocked out. Yeah, I think they're going to run this one back. Um, because the, could, her only options are running it back or going to 125. There is no second option. She's fighting for a title in her next fight. Mm, we'll see. Because, I mean, look, Rose, I mean, you have a, a plethora of options for Rose. So here's, here's the thing. Why risk new and fresh opportunities for Rose Namajunas as a champion 
where if Joanna wins the title back, you run into the same problem that you just had. Like the title, the uh, Rose could fight Jessica Aguilar. I mean, not Jessica Aguilar. She could fight Carolina Kowalkiewicz. She could fight who else? There's like five people she could fight in that division. Yeah, uh, what's her face just won and looked really good. Uh, um, I don't even know. I can't think right now. Yeah, I don't but know. uh, fuck. <laughs> I'll look at that. You look at that division and you say, okay, well, Joanna could get a bounce back fight. Like she could get another opponent in a co-main event to to get a title shot. It's really a matter of, you know, who that she hasn't beaten already. That's my question. Who that she hasn't beaten already? I mean, oh, and Jessica Andrade is who we're thinking of. Yeah, Jessica Andrade. I mean, Um, look, man, you could put. No, I think she would go for the 125 pound title or for whoever comes off of this tough show. And you put it on the same card as Rose versus Andrade or Rose versus Carolina. Carolina, And you say that Joanna's going to win and you have a champion for champion to see if Joanna can win her belt back. Now, that's a selling point. Yeah, I'm to just see saying. If Joanna you can have, you know, the 115 and 125 at the same time, but go get this 125 while we let them battle it out. I mean, you just don't have to do an immediate rematch is all I'm saying. It's, it's not necessary. Because you don't want to run into that same problem. I mean, you could give Joanna and Jacek the winner of Tisha Torres, Michelle Watterson. Because she hasn't fought either of them. Oh, that's cool. I mean, she's wrecking them. But, I mean, I agree with that. That's not a you horrible know, matchup. It's just anything to have Rose look fresh as your new champion. Unless you give play her a the hot potato match. with the belt. That's what they said about Holly Holm, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, Misha, but you Tate have to give it that be, Misha Tate was supposed to be that one fight until Ronda was ready to come back. You know, and then put on the rematch. And then, boom, Misha wrecks that shit in the fifth round. So, we'll see with that. The only other fight, I mean, once again, it was a good card top to bottom. Uh, We had, what, disqualification in the fight, uh, in the heavyweight fight, which was crazy. Um, But the fight, Wonder Boy versus Masvidal, Wonder Boy is Wonder Boy, right? Yeah, dude, I don't think anybody else is going to beat this man. Um, And there was talks of, like, Till wanting to fight him, I think Wonder Boy wins that one too. Yeah, uh, but his, you know, Wonder Boy's dad said no. I mean, and the guy has no thumbs right now. Like, yeah. you can't go booking a guy when he just damn near broke both thumbs. Yeah, they were trying to book that for early next year. So, you know, Wonder Boy needs a recovery, but I just don't see anybody really beating Wonder Boy except for a guy like Woodley. Um, Till would be interesting because he's so big, but I think, you know, I'm perfectly fine with Till fighting somebody else. Uh, wow. You know, he he beat Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone beating Donald Cerrone is not the same as beating Donald Cerrone was like four years ago. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Wonder Boy will come back. Uh, he won't get a title fight unless Woodley is out of the title picture. But Hen- in the interim, your boy Hendricks though may not come back. Hendricks is is done. It's he got, done. got knocked out by a male model. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's over for Johnny Hendricks. But you know. Who didn't see that one coming? Yep. Uh, Ovin St. Prue with another Looking win. Like OSP. Yeah, you know what? That's He struggled a little bit early, but hey, found that rhythm, came through, and put in work. Mickey Gall took the loss. Yep, surprised me a bit. It was a good fight with Randy Brown. He fought with a guy who was some resistance, uh, who was fully capable on the ground in the feet. So. And Ricardo you know, Ramos with the spinning back elbow to Zahabi. Two. two. Like, you didn't see that coming? That shit was crazy. But good card. Top to bottom. Um, Poirier versus Pettis is coming up this weekend. Great uh, fight. Amazing fight. I think I'm taking Poirier. 
You know, I'm not, I'm not even against that, and here's why. Uh, this is a fight where two guys who, back maybe three years ago, people thought would have fought for a title with, with gold on the line. Poirier had all the potential uh, to be great. Uh, Anthony Pettis was a guy who everybody thought would be a legend, uh, and things didn't necessarily pan out for either of them. Both of them had kind of brain farts of sorts. Uh, but in Poirier's case, you know, the Eddie Alvarez fight, he was doing well and, and he got clocked and he got hit with that knee in the head. Uh, but Pettis, on the other hand, is two and four in his last six fights. And, you know, he tried to go down a division. He just seems like a man confused right now. And Poirier has all the momentum. So I'm with you on this. I'm picking Dustin Poirier as much as I like Anthony Pettis. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he won. The fact of the matter is that Poirier has a lot of advantages in terms of momentum. I think Pettis is still trying to figure himself out. I agree. I like the co-main Matt Brown versus Diego Sanchez. It's like a WWE retirement match. Yeah, it really like, is. Like, yo, we both going out of here. Let's go out of here with some blood. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, that's oh, going to be a scrap. Oh, yeah, Clay Guida versus Joe Lozon. Uh, John Dodson versus Marlon Moraes, which is probably the best fight of the night. Yeah. And it's on the prelims. This, and this is where I just never understand UFC booking. Marlon Moraes was the w, uh, World Series of Fighting champion. Uh, was blitzing everybody. He had a bad fight in the UFC, but who doesn't coming from another uh, company? Um, Alvarez ran through into the same thing when he fought Cerrone. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Dawson's, you know, dude, he could beat anybody not named uh, Mighty Mouse. Um, <laughs> so this is going to be an excellent fight, but to put it on the prelims is bizarre to me because if I'm watching this fight, if I'm watching this card's prelims, I'm already a fan. I'm not some guy walking off the street who's like, ooh, look, John Dawson, Marlon Moraes, and I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm only watching this fight because I care about the UFC. So why not have it on the main card of this of this uh this UFC fight night? I don't understand. By the way, the prelims are better than the main card. Because then we have Tatiana Suarez, who I think is a future title contender at 115. Uh probably has to move up to 125, right? She's huge. Yeah, she's pretty for big. the division. Um, but she's like a boa constrictor. So, like to see her fight. Sage Northcutt. Is on the card as well. Um, Sage, it's crazy. He was just headlining these cards, right? So he's on the prelims. And then Angie Hill is also on the prelims. Yeah. So This is a very good card. Good prelims all the way. Prelims are better than the main card, but should be exciting all the way through. We're going to take a quick break and switch over to uh, a little bit of boxing and pro wrestling. And as soon as we come back, we're going to pick up with that. I got a good question that kind of bridges UFC and boxing when we come back, though. And I know it's something Dre's not going to like. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. All right, everybody. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air it's that great and this is how we get our sleep so you guys make sure that you check it out casper mattresses are made in the usa and have free shipping and returns to the u.s and canada shout out to the great north you can buy your casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk-free 
Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards a Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. Make it happen. But now it's time to get back to talking combat sports, so stay with us. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're here to talk boxing, but I got to bring up your boy Dana White. The new face of boxing? Question mark, question mark, question mark. No. Zufa Boxing is here, man. It's here. And what's crazy is, is this a WME product? I don't think so. It will be. It's so different than the UFC. I feel like Dana's trying to get something again that is his own. That's yeah. away from WME. Like, okay, we sold that to you guys. What can I have that I can just rule roughshod over now? And the question is, will he be able to use his UFC talent? In his boxing promotions. Can guys say, I want to box? Can Garbrandt say, hey, let me go in there against Lomachenko? Like, is there crazy shit like this that can happen? No. This is going to be uh, Dana White's version of the XFL. Oh, look it. You got to break hearts. Giving no, Dana Come no on. credit. Here's why. Who does Dana have? Who I, could Dana have? They're, they're, I mean, there's your problem. Who's going to want to do business with Dana White? Uh, Not nah, Bob Aaron. No. Nah. No, 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 no. He's, he's alienated that. Yeah, not Bob Arum. So then you got what, Al Heyman? Yeah, he must. you got to, thinking with this move, he made some pretty good inroads with Al Heyman, and he probably feels comfortable, you know, setting stuff up between him, Heyman, and, and Mayweather promotions. I don't think De La Hoya is doing business with him. That's what I'm saying. So it's like you put, like Dana White, yeah, Zufa Boxing is coming, but who are your fighters? Your UFC fighters? And then, you know, what network are you going to be on? Uh, this is, I mean, the business of it, it's a lot. There's, there's a lot to deal with here. And Dana White, uh, he's not necessarily in boxing's good graces. So I can't, I can't foresee that Zufa boxing is going to be a big deal. I just don't see. To me, the only way it works, and this was the same mold for Oscar De La Hoya, so I saw that it worked, is you go get a guy like Richard Schaefer. And or you get someone who can run it for you, and you're just a figurehead. And you do the talking, and you have a real boxing guy handle your stuff. Because Schaefer made Golden Boy what it is. Let's just be honest. Yeah, and Schaefer's then, got his own company now. No, so. Schaefer does. I, you can't go get Schaefer, but go get a guy like that, you know? The, the quiet boxing guy in the background. And you say, you run everything. And let me just I'm talk. I'm pretty sure that WMEING has got their fingerprints all over whatever Dana's next move is. Yeah, maybe I don't they think just any- think Connor's going back to boxing and they don't want Connor to you know, be the sole promoter of his next fight and not get cut into that check. Yeah, uh, like, like Dana, like Zufa Boxing is going to be a byproduct of WMEING. They will fund it. So if this happens, it, trust me, it's going to be the XFL. It's going to fail miserably. Yeah, because your only star is Connor McGregor. And he has his own boxing promotional company. So you got to pray that he cuts you in. But, you know, if he takes a, a, another fight with someone outside of Floyd, he's the A-side, and it'll probably be sole promoted by Conor McGregor Promotions. 
So, you know, Zoo for Boxing might be able to squeeze themselves in there. Um, Let's talk about real boxing. Kind of. Deontay Wilder and Bermain Stavert. I love the the little montages of the trash talking beforehand and then Stavert just getting straight washed in the first round. Uh, Dude, I said this is what Wilder needed to do. Like, him destroying Bermain Stavert was the only way this fight could go. He couldn't let him hang around. He couldn't toy with him. He couldn't let this thing go remotely close to the distance. He needs to blow this man out. And shout and out to a- Charlemagne for making it donkey of the day. So people actually know who the hell Deontay Wilder is now. Yeah, it was imperative because anything less than a Deontay Wilder knockout doesn't bang the drum for an Anthony Joshua fight the way that this did. Like Wilder went out there, destroyed Bermain Severn like he was an afterthought, and then cut the mean promo like, Hey, mate, I'm coming for you. Like, <laughs> everything that Wilder did was the right thing to do. He finished off his, his food. He, he put his name out there and said, look, I want Anthony Joshua. I don't care where it is. He just wants to fight him. And that's how you build a fight, man. That's how you make a superstar. But we knew, we knew Wilder had that capability. As far yeah. as cutting the promos, speaking like the superstar champion, we just had to see him do it in the ring. In which yeah, he still I mean, didn't show me what the hell I need to see, which is a consistent jab and some footwork. But we don't, like, at this point, you're, you're in the business to sell the fight. So what you're trying to do is sell the fight. Like, nobody wants to see a jab and some footwork. They want to <laughs> see somebody get destroyed. And Bermain Stavern was a guy, like, there were so many underlying stories here. One, Bermain Stavern is the only person that went the distance with uh, Deontay Wilder. Which means when he fights Anthony Joshua... These guys are going to have a combined record of, what, like almost 70 and 0 with 69 knockouts? Yeah, so, that's so, redonkulous. Yeah, so Wilder had to get rid of Stavern because he had to get that, he had to right that wrong. And he already showed against Stavern that he could use the jab effectively. There was a lot of things he could do. Like when he fought guys like Eric Molina and uh, Dupayas and all those other guys, what Wilder did was getting rounds in. Like, he was trying different things. He was giving different looks. With Stavern, it was like, I need to do one thing and just kill you. And that's what he did. <laughs> and, and, that, and that made people want to see the, the Anthony Joshua fight. Not now, but right now. People want the Joshua fight right now. Yeah. I feel like Stavern is the same position that Amir Khan was in. Where you're like, no, this shit is not. Like, we know the end result of this. Yeah. Like, you, you're coming in here specifically to just call this guy out afterwards. And it's how fast you can get this nobody out the way. And that's all, yeah. like, because not on the same level as you, competition-wise. So it, it was cool, it, you know, it suffice. Do you think we see Wilder, Joshua in 2018? After this, probably. Um, I feel like you can't, like, the fight is so big now. And I don't think it's going to get much bigger. You know, there's guys like Joseph Parker out there, but... There's really nobody for these two to fight. We're running into the Canelo Triple G situation again, where whoever they fight is just food until they have this fight. So I think we do see it in 2018 because I don't think Tyson Fury is going to get himself back into shape and ready to fight by next year. So I think late next year, I think that fight does happen because there's really nobody else for these two to fight. I agree. I hope it's not in the UK. It'd be a perfect fight for here in Vegas. Uh, Wilder Stavern 1 was here in Vegas. And I thought that did well. You can see the stars in the crowd. Obviously, it did well in New York, too. Um, New York might be the location because I feel like people can travel from the U.K. to New York pretty easily. But selfishly, I want to see it here in Vegas because we're the fight capital of the world. Heavyweight boxing belongs here. We'll have to let that play out. Um, Sean Porter was also there. He took the win uh, in the co-main. Nice little showcase for Sean. Nice bounce back fight. 
I don't know where he goes next. He won't get the Thurman fight. I it's mean, a, as much as he, no, he's the mandatory. He's he an ugly. It. He's an ugly fight for anyone. Yeah, nobody wants to fight him. Yeah, because even if you win, you're gonna feel it. Yeah, like, it's not not an easy go around. So I don't know. I don't know who he fights next. I mean, it's, dude, it has to be Danny Garcia. Like that's the guy that Garcia has been ducking Sean Porter, and I don't care what anybody says. Garcia is very convenient in this trash talk with Sean Porter. Every time Sean Porter signs a fight, here comes Danny Garcia and says, I would have fought Sean Porter. But <laughs> from what I've heard, and I know this is a biased thing because I've only heard it mainly from Kenny Porter, is that they put the offer on the, the, the table for Danny Garcia on numerous occasions. And every time that Danny has called them out, they've been right there. So that being said, I mean, there's really nowhere else for either of these fighters to go. Uh you know, Lamont Peters is fighting Errol Spence early next year. Thurman's on the mend. Uh, so we want, we don't know when we're going to see him back. So these two need to eliminate one or the other so from from this uh, from title contention. We're getting so, Peterson versus Spence? Yeah, we're getting Peterson versus Spence, I believe, in March in New that's, York. That's not a bad fight. No, it's not. I mean, Peterson is a capable fighter. He's a guy that, you know, is... Uh, I want to call him a gatekeeper, but I don't know what else to call him. No, he is. He's a gatekeeper. But, I mean, he's... He's a tricky puzzle to figure out sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he gave Danny Garcia a hard time. You know, like, his if he would have stepped on the gas a little bit earlier in the Garcia fight, he would have beat him by a round. But he waited a little bit too long. You know, he was moving a lot, letting Garcia get some offense in, and, and then finally stepped it up in, like, the seventh, which was around too late. But, you know, this is what we need is to kind of eliminate uh, – the fake ones. So if Garcia and Porter fight mid next year, because I know Porter's gonna he's gonna be on the mend himself. Uh, didn't he break his hand in that yeah, fight? Yeah, yeah. So they fight, you know, next summer. I mean, I feel like Porter's gonna be that crossover guy, the guy that goes to the top ranked side and maybe fights Terence Crawford. Yeah, I just think one of you, like him or Garcia, gotta go. One of them's gotta go. Yeah, one of them has to cross over. But I think Sean is confident enough in his skills. And, you know, it is what it is. If you're going to fight Terrence Crawford, fight him now, right? Before yeah, he gets yeah. comfortable at 147. Like, he's now just moving up. Sean Porter's a naturally bigger 147-pound fighter. Go in there and try to, you know, put your, your nose in his chest and see what the guy does. Yeah, but I think Porter and Garcia needs to be the next fight. And the winner can entertain fighting Terrence Crawford. Um, but they got to fight on, like, NBC, something like that. Yo, I'm down with uh, that. So that's what should happen. No, um, all right, quick swerve again. Time to talk pro wrestling. I feel like it takes a while to get to this point in the show, but we always love it, and people always stick around for it. So shout out to you guys. We're starting off with New Japan this week. Power struggle. That was one hell of a card, though. If you guys don't have New Japan World yet, it's nine ninety nine. If you guys pay for the network every month, spend an extra ten damn dollars and get this. It is so worth it. Pay-per-views only once every two months, but Wrestle Kingdom is the next major pay-per-view coming up. And if you guys haven't heard, there's the Jericho announcement, which we'll talk about. And if you guys don't watch Wrestle Kingdom, you're not a wrestling fan and you're cheating yourself. Make sure you make it happen, people. Yeah, man. It's like, I mean, I don't even know what else to compare it to. Uh, If you love pro wrestling, you're not watching New Japan. You're you're not pissing me off. You're upsetting yourself because you're not watching quality (laughs) shit. Yeah, you're wasting your your time. You're out. And, and you know, Power Struggle wasn't like the greatest New Japan car in terms of in-ring action. But everything that happened to set up Wrestle Kingdom was worth watching this entire card. Uh, There was so much there. I mean, 
You have the Young Bucks are getting ready to challenge Rapongi 3K for the junior tag titles. Uh, that played out on the show after Rapongi 3K beat Super 69, the team of Taguchi and ACH, which was a solid match. Um, and that's the know, finals. Wait, so the winner of the tag team tournament always gets the title shot. Yeah, it's, Kingdom, ne- right? it's never happened from my recollection. It, the champions have never won that tournament. So this is the first time the champions won that tournament. And the Young Bucks immediately challenged them to a title shot, which we figured, well, most of us figured was going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom anyway. So Yo and Show, Rapongi 3K with Rocky Romero is going to face the Young Bucks, uh, which is going to be a great match. That's going to be fun. Um, what else do we have? We have Marty Skrull beating Will Ospreay. Which was a match that I felt like these two kind of held back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't their best match, right? Like, I think when they went to the UK and it was like ROH's first tour over there, and it's before Osprey went exclusive with New Japan, they put on one hell of a show. It was the night yeah. Skrull won the belt, the like television belt or whatever in the UK. That was one hell of a match. This wasn't as good, but I feel like they have more to tell. No, and I think like the key thing was as soon as the match ended, uh, Kushida came out, and um, Takahashi came out after Takahashi got pimp slapped. Well, he got punched in the face by Osprey, and he got his fingers broke by Skrull, so he put on the helmet and the glove to make sure he protected himself. And we're getting a rarity in New Japan, which is going to be a fatal four-way between Skrull, Osprey, Takahashi, and Kushida at Wrestle Kingdom. I cannot wait for that match. <laughs> the spots in that match are going to be crazy. Oh, it's going to be so good. Um, then we had Kenny Omega beating Trent Beretta, which a lot of people expected. But nobody expected the announcement of Chris Jericho facing Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Tore the roof off. I mean, crazy. And Chris Jericho's a free agent, I guess. Apparently. You know, it's, well, here's the funny thing about this. The announcement, it surprised me, but and, and I did my best. Like, I stayed away from spoilers all weekend and watched it. But when it happened, there was something that happened earlier in the week that kind of that kind of should have tipped us off a little bit. Was it, Have you heard about, like, the Jericho cruise? Like, yeah. he's doing this cruise, and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are on this cruise. As soon as I heard it, I should have thought, man, he must be doing something because he couldn't have done this when he's under contract with WWE. Yeah, so, it's an ROH, entire ROH card. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, so it's like, I should have thought of that, but I didn't. But the fact is, is like, we're getting Kenny Omega. It's like, they're calling it Alpha versus Omega. Woo! Fire name. Great advertising. (laughs) Yeah, my only concern is Chris Jericho. Like, we know Kenny Omega's going to bring it. But Chris Jericho, I'm not Um, saying he can't, because Chris Jericho clearly can. Like, he's had great matches with Kevin Owens, but he had... He didn't bring us to the peaks that we needed with AJ Styles. We didn't get that. But what happens when he doesn't have to wrestle a television style? Well, that was going to be my next thing. Chris Jericho doesn't have to wrestle WWE style. It's balls to the wall, New Japan, strong style. So what is it going to be like to see him and Omega in the same ring together on the biggest stage in New Japan, one-on-one for that U.S. title? And I feel like he was in Japan, what, 20 years ago? 20, Jericho was in Japan... 94? Uh, over 20. Yeah. That's damn near 23 years ago. Because he was a big deal in New Japan. Like Huge He was deal. one of those guys. Him, Chris Super Benoit. Yeah. yeah. You know, Chris Benoit is the Pegasus kid. Like, they were a big deal in New Japan. So, you know, people knew who he was. So, it's like this match. It's, I mean... And it's not even the main event. <laughs> so, it's like, dude, it's going to be big. It's going to be really big. And main event, talking about that, 
Tanahashi versus Naito. Yo, it's been a smooth year in the making. Naito's, like, since the heel turn. As oh, you mean Okada and Naito, yeah. Oh, excuse me, yeah, Okada and Naito. It, it, it's going to, it's been building and building and building. And the Chaos versus LIJ match kind of, you know, was a nice little, nice little teaser for that. And I can't wait. Okada got to drop this belt. I love heel champions. Well, yeah, it's coming. I think Naito's time has been coming for the last two years. And I think it's time for Okada to drop that strap to Naito. So we, we'll see that coming. But the main event of this was actually really good. Uh, Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi. Um, a little I'm, long. A little long in the tooth. Yeah, it, it went a little longer than it should have. But uh, Ibushi still shows that he's great. Uh, it's interesting that... Uh, now the challenger for Tanahashi will be Jay White, who's renamed as Switchblade. Um, Jay White is one of those guys who's a great wrestler but never really had a great character. Uh, this Switchblade could be it. Uh, Where the, the hell promo- is Jay White from? ROH, right? Yeah, ROH, and he, he was a young lion in New Japan as well. Hmm. Uh, ultra talented. He just he was just a guy, and and I hate to compare him to like John Cena when he came to WWF, but from OVW, but it's kind of similar. Like he was just a guy who wore some trunks and wrestled, uh, but now he's got this, the, the moniker Switchblade. Uh, the promo was cool, and this may be his time to get over. Uh, last year at this time was when Takahashi was introduced, and he murdered Kushida. So could we see the same with uh, Jay White and Tanahashi? You know, it could be this the Jay White coming out party. Jay White's a great wrestler, man. And Abushi lost, but we're still getting a great Abushi match at Wrestle Kingdom with him versus Cody. Yeah, uh, that's going to be phenomenal as well. Like, dude, look, 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 people. If you're listening to this show and for some reason you're st- not li- watching New Japan, I don't know what to tell you anymore. Stop listening <laughs> to us because, like, you, you clearly don't care what we got to say because the best wrestling is in New Japan. Oh, and, easily, easily. Like, I'm going to have my gripes with WWE in a moment, which I do every week, but it's very rare that I'm pissed off at what New Japan does. So I'm here for it. I can't wait. And when they do do something to make you upset, they just pull you right back in. Yeah, There's they, always they, an end reason. There's, it always works. Always works. Always works. Um, let's get you upset. WWE and Survivor Series. This shit changes by the minute. By the but minute. I, you know what? I'm more excited now. I'm kind of glad that <laughs> things are so fluid as they are. It's, it's actually helping the card. Okay. Well, that's only because it started off so shitty. Let's exactly. just be fair. So it, this is probably the way it should have been booked from the get-go, but let's talk about it. Uh, the Bar beat the Shield due to interference by the New Day. Uh, this is one of the things I have a problem with. It tells me that your titles don't mean shit. When you can have – like that match was a great match between the Shield and the Bar. Oh, very but good match. The Bar could be, should be able to get over clean on the Shield. And if they can't and have to use a New Day interference with a teasing of under seeds, that was kind of whack. It was a whack finish to a great match. Um, and it just, it just kinda, it doesn't tell me that you guys care about your titles. And then furthermore, I don't really care about seeing the Bar versus the Usos. Um, unless the Usos are hurt. Yeah, whatever, unless they're hurt. Whatever. But then I don't care about seeing the Bar versus Alpha Male 2.0. Or whatever you want to call them. American <laughs> Alpha 2.0. Uh, like, Alpha, I, Team Alpha Mills. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it'd be a good match. I, yeah, I, but I don't, I don't care. Yeah, 
But I didn't care anyway, to be honest with you. Like nothing. All this stuff happens, and then everybody goes back to what they're doing the, the day after Survivor Series. True, but the Usos have been having really good matches with the New Day. I expect nothing different between them and the Bar um, when that comes around, if it comes around. Because maybe this injury is, you know, kayfabe, and maybe it's plotted just so the Usos have to be out of the spot. So we have the heel face dynamic, which we were complaining about. Everyone was heels until this week. So, uh, you know, they're shaking things up. Um, does that also mean we get the New Day versus the Shield? That seems like it's logical. And one, one thing to go back, because American Alpha 2.0, they did some heel shit in that match to injure, was it Jey Uso? Yeah, it took the so, knee out. <laughs> so that was, it's kind of weird because you're, you're replacing a supposed heel faction that seemed to be turning babyface in the Usos to babyfaces that seem to be turning into heels with American Alpha 2.0. And I'm going to call them that forever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yes, if we're getting the New Day versus the Shield... That I excites just, me. That's a cool matchup. It excites me, but you know the Shield's going to go over. Of course. But it's some cool but, shit. I mean, Big yeah. E versus Roman Reigns is something you said could have been a title matchup. Yo, I've been high on Big E as a singles competitor for a long time, and I don't know when it's going to happen again. I don't understand why they haven't done it yet. I don't understand. You can, like, Xavier Woods has proven himself as a fully capable wrestler. So him and Kofi could, could have carried the tag titles and let Big E go off and do his own thing as a solo guy. Oh, God, I would pay money to see E versus Corbin and E to just take that strap. Like, I just want the New Day to hold, like, another title. But uh, this excites me because I'd love to see Rowan and Big E get it. Like, I just want to see that happen because Big E is very underrated as a talent. He's, he's a really good wrestler. Agreed. Um, let's see. We had a match between Finn and Joe on Raw. That was a pretty good match. Don't suck your teeth at that match. It was a good well, match. It, it was a good match with shitty result, like consequence. Like, oh, this was a really great match, but you guys aren't going to feud. You guys are going to both be on the Survivor Series super team. What? Like, I, I want to see them wrestle again. <laughs> I mean, it might lead to a feud after, but for right now, this is it. Like, this oh. is what it means. And, you know, I, I liked it. I liked the, the match. I liked the ending. I liked that neither, men, neither man was weakened. They both looked strong. They both fought to the end. And it, it's a good dynamic. And the Raw team is strong. Strong. You know, you know what's really strange, though? It's how quickly they moved from Finn getting murdered by Kane for two weeks. And they just, like... Made him look like he looked great against Samoa Joe. It's kind of weird how they did Very that. Very weird. But I mean, but they're pushing Kane to a whole different level. So To what level? Because he's not wrestling Strowman. What the hell is going on? Well, I think he goes into a feud with Strowman right after Survivor Series. Which makes Survivor Series, once again, pointless. Because when you look at it, how the hell do you eliminate Strowman from that match? I do. Look, you, we can talk about Kane this Kane is going to come and wreck him. Before we get into uh, AJ Styles becoming champion on SmackDown... And talking about how amazing an AJ Styles Brock Lesnar match is going to be, can we talk about how lopsided these rosters, like Raw versus SmackDown, is right now? Oh, it's crazy. I mean, Jason Jordan was just in a fucking guitar and a pole match, and somehow he found his way onto the squad. Well, he's clearly got to turn on Dad. Like, I, I feel like there's no other reason for him to be there but Ooh, to turn on his dad. That'd be so dope. <laughs> okay, you might have saved Jason Jordan as a character, at least for the I time mean, being. It, it, dude, if they're not doing that, I don't really get the point of him being on this team. Unless to make him look weak, because the SmackDown team just doesn't look that good in comparison. Either he has to save Dad, or he has to turn on Dad. I like it. He's got he's to turn on Dad. Like, they, they, like they've, they've, they've purposefully really kept those two away from each other since Jason Jordan's come onto the, the Raw roster. 
So it would make sense that now you can play back up this father-son dynamic and have Jason Jordan kick the shit out, kick Kurt in his nuts or some shit and cost him the match. I don't mind that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... He's the weak link, but I like the rest of the squad, to be honest. I mean, the other three are strong, and Kurt is still strong. And then you look at the SmackDown side, though, and Shane is the weak link. I mean, you look at the SmackDown side, and you're like, well, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Nakamura, and now they got John Cena, which initially John Cena was said to be the ref. I don't know what's going on with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. From them getting kicked off of this UK tour, something's up, and I don't know what it is. Um, I figure that they have to go in there and destroy Shane McMahon or, or something because they, they, what what are they doing here if they're not doing anything else? But Bobby, like, who's the question was who's beating Braun Strowman? I still don't know. It ain't Randy Orton, it ain't Bobby Roode, and it damn sure ain't Shinsuke Nakamura the way they've booked him. Nakamura might might take him out after but Kane, see, it's man. a Kane interference. Is how Strowman's getting be. out of here. It has to be. I, like, to, like, all that being said, I still think SmackDown's going to win. Like, I still think SmackDown's going to find a way to win this match. Um, but the, the addition of John Cena kind of changed my perspective on that a little bit. Because if John Cena, it's weird, because John Cena was a free agent. So if he wins, does he win for free agency? Because he's not really Team SmackDown. He was just on Raw feuding with Roman Reigns. So. True. I don't know. I don't know how he's playing the hopscotch. And who's eliminating Samoa Joe? Because whoever it is is going to piss me off. Unless it's Nakamura. Because <laughs> that, that makes sense. But anybody else? Like, unless unless we're building towards somehow a Samoa Joe-John Cena feud, I, I don't want to see anybody. But that's my bias with Samoa Joe. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know who eliminates who, to tell you the truth. Because now you look at even the other matches. I, I don't think Raw is as weak as you may think. Because I... It's SmackDown? Smack, yeah, because... Or you think SmackDown's the weak side? Yeah, Raw, I think, is, like, super-powered. Okay. Joe, yeah, yeah. Balor. If, if, if you get Demon Balor, Samoa Joe, and Braun Strowman, Kurt Angle, like, that's a far superior team than SmackDown. Well, I mean, you got Cena, Knock, and, I mean, I don't count Rude, I guess. I don't count Orton either. No, Orton's shitty. You're right. Yeah, and, like, no, that, and that, even with that, Nakamura, man. like, as much as I like Nakamura, he's been booked like shit. So it's like, yeah, I, he's a guy who can take a pinfall, and the WWE doesn't care about keeping Knock strong because Knock is currently not involved in anything right now. I'll give you that. And which brings me to the point: AJ Styles won the title. Why didn't Knock just win it last pay per view? Because they don't have faith in Nakamura. That's so shitty. Because Knock versus Lesnar would have been just as big. Yeah, but they don't have faith in. And Nakamura. there's history. Yeah, but they won't play on that history either. Um, AJ Styles winning the title, like I'm not even too and sure. And I like AJ winning the style. I mean, yeah, like, better than I have a feeling Jinder might get it back after this. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you they know, cooled but, on Jinder. No, they still got to go to India. So that's the beginning of December. But, so I mean, he's gonna yeah, win that's what, the, he's gonna win at Starcade. No, he probably win it like the week before. I mean, if they want to go that route. So the whole point is AJ and Brock is a much more appealing match. But we all know that AJ's got to take the loss. So are we satisfied with the, the loss or are we satisfied with the journey? And I'm satisfied with the journey because I just want to see AJ and Brock get, get in there and mix it up. Because we all know that Brock's not losing this match. They're going to keep Brock strong for the purpose of Roman Reigns beating him at WrestleMania. Correct. Clean. Yeah. So Brock can't lose to AJ Styles. 
Um, if he did, it'd be phenomenal, pun intended. <laughs> but uh, I just don't necessarily see that happening. Like, AJ's a guy who can take a loss, and it doesn't affect him at all. Oh, yeah. He's going to make Brock. Uh, hopefully, they go 10 minutes. Well, that's the and question. Brock so here's look like a million bucks. That's all I'm rooting for, right? We know the ending. I just want Brock to put in a real damn match because this guy can go. Like, Brock, if you can't go against AJ, you can't go anymore. And you got you to gotta hang it up. Like, how do you make Brock look like a million bucks? Like, AJ Styles, when the agent, whoever the booking agent is for this match, has to go in and say, well, look, Brock, yeah, you can do your Suplex City thing, but that's going to cheapen AJ Styles. Like, there's so many more things. I mean, like, we kind of write the finish now. AJ Styles is going to go for the Phenomenal Forearm. Brock's going to catch him in midair and F5 him. That's probably going to be the finish. Yeah. Go ahead and book. But everything else leading up to that point, like, it can't be a 10-minute match. It has to be, like, at least 17 minutes. 15, 17 minutes. Oh, come on, has man. You know it's not going 15. You know this. You I know, know but but then you, then you might as well just put gender in there. Like, if it's going to be, like, a semi-squash match, you could have just put gender in there. So Styles has to be put in there for the sole purpose of actually making this a match. And furthermore, making Brock Lesnar look not necessarily indestructible, but, like, a champ. Like, how long was this match with Samoa Joe? Eight minutes? Six. Fuck. And it All seemed right, like so, a long six. Like, yeah. you looked at that six, you're like, damn, it's a long match. It was six minutes. Like, we'll, we'll talk much more about Survivor Series next week, but... Yeah, but that, that was really the, the big news. And so we'll see. We got a whole other week of build, right? I expect the women's title on SmackDown to change hands next week with Charlotte and Natty. We'll see how that plays out. And, uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk way more about Survivor Series and everything else coming up. We'll recap UFC... For right now, though, we got to be out. It was a nice show. It was nice catching up on the Thursday. Next week, we'll be back again on Tuesday, bringing you the show full preview of SmackDown, probably lead off with it next week, and then get into UFC recap and whatever else happens in the boxing world and pop culture. Uh, for right now, though, follow us on social media, at The Corner LSN, on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. That's our show for this week. Thank you guys for listening again. We're out. Peace.